0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Sharia we're on a journey to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. We're trying to strip away all of those unnecessarily churchy and intellectual words and instead have a down-to-earth conversation about the things of our faith that really matter. Now, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea, this concept of divine healing, and we're on part three of a four-part series as we build a case together. Now, I'm, I'm really pleased that, again, we're joined by Simon Argent, as Sheree is away and Simon Argent is a very good friend of mine he's also an elder at Ascot Life Church and the leader of or one of the leaders of the Read Bible course run by the Commission Family of Churches so Simon it's great to have you I just saw that you met at church again for the first time in like a year and a half this Sunday
1: yeah we just met on Sunday it was I yeah I feel like this podcast for me is like a lockdown thing Cause I think you, this podcast started <laughs> just after we shut down church. And so now like to be coming back, back into meeting as a church, it feels like we're entering a new era. Uh, I know things are a little bit different for you, you guys over in Canada, but oh yeah, Sunday was brilliant.
0: It's so weird, isn't it? Because your last Sunday meeting together was our last Sunday on staff at, at the church, which is just yeah. crazy, isn't it? That it's been all that time. I think we started this yeah. podcast about two weeks after the lockdowns began. And crazily, you haven't... We're what, what, 57 episodes in or something like that now? And <laughs> you're only just yeah. meeting, which is... I'm, I'm so pumped about that. I mean, secretly, Shereya and I were kind of hoping that you wouldn't meet until November. And so that when we came back to visit mm. in the UK... We'd get to be the first people to go back, and it would be like we'd never left. That was my dream. I thought that'd be really cool. Didn't happen.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're very glad that we started meeting again.
0: And when you come in November,
1: we will have got used to each other and we'll all be able to pile around you when you come. It'll be great. We're looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it'll be so good. It's, it's hard to imagine. Uh, one of the things about being in Alberta is that we've been very fortunate in the sense that we've been able to meet the whole time. And so the, the at the at our most restricted, we were only allowed 15 people in, in our building, but we're a small church of around 30 or so people. So we didn't even feel it that intensely. So it was, it was great that way. And so I can't even imagine not being able to, like literally not being in church for all that time. That just sounds sounds so hard. But you're there. It's awesome. Let's continue our discussion on divine healing. So last week, well, in episode one, I should say, we talked about how God doesn't just heal in the New Testament. We often have this kind of preconceived notion that God heals through Jesus in the New Testament alone, and that's it. But actually, God heals throughout the pages mm. of Scripture. In fact, in Exodus, he's describes, he describes himself as Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. He, it's, it's literally in his name that he is a healer. And then we arrived at the conclusion after looking at that, that actually, it's logically speaking, very reasonable to believe that God heals today based on what the Bible teaches us. In episode two, we kind of built on that early foundation and we asked the question, well, if God heals today, is that healing guaranteed? And we said, well, yes and, and no. Uh, you know, healing is not guaranteed in the sense that if you just have enough faith, then God will definitely instantly miraculously heal you. you know, we, we said, actually, when you look at the whole of the Bible in context, it's impossible to arrive at that kind of conclusion because people weren't always healed. However, when we look at what Jesus accomplished for us, on the cross through his his death, his resurrection and his ascension, we, we recognize that there will come a day when we will experience full physical divine healing from God. It just might not be in this life. It will be when Jesus returns. So to kind of summarize that in a few words, God heals throughout the Bible. He still heals today, uh, but healing isn't guaranteed until Jesus returns. We might experience it, but it's not guaranteed. So assuming that this is all the case, case, and we're building these foundations, then the next logical question to ask is this. As Christians, what is our role in divine healing? So Simon, what can we do to see more healing in our lives? It's a big question, but I wonder if you could get us started here.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I think there's a few things to just get clear before we start. The first thing is that we, as you said in your question, we play a role in seeing healing happen. uh, But crucially, we play a role in divine healing, the healing that we, God willing, will see when we pray for people is divine. You know, God is God is the one behind it. Hmm. You know, it's only by God intervening God, by his miraculous power, through the Holy Spirit, choosing to heal someone that any miracle at all will ever occur, healing included. You know, as you Mm. said, he is Jehovah Rapha, he is the Lord who heals. It's not us who heals, it's him. Uh, And so as we talk about, you know, how we can maybe look to play a role in that process and see it happen more, um, we're not talking about how we can kind of muster up the power within ourselves. I guess we're just looking at how we can place ourselves into positions where we can see God use his power through us more and more. And related to that, I think the other thing to get clear on is that when we ask this question, you know, what is our role in healing? We're not we're not looking for a method, like the perfect method, because as we've seen, God is the one who heals. And so, you know, it's not going to be about us finding the perfect method, which will also always guarantee healing, because, you know, we're not the ones who heal anyway. I, I see kind of sometimes on Facebook, you get suggested videos or or um, kind of posts from certain preachers. And sometimes I find them quite unhelpful. They kind of recommend this whole method for how you are to pray for healing. And if you're not seeing healing, it's because you're not using this method, right? I don't know about you, Dave. I just find those things quite unhelpful. And uh, I don't think that's where we'll be going.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point to make. Well, I spent some time in Singapore, at a Bible school there. And you might have heard me talking about this before, if you, you've listened to this podcast for a long time. And one of the real emphases of that school was divine healing. And so we spent a lot of time learning about what divine healing looked like and how to pray for it. And I want to be clear, saw some incredible things. And maybe we'll talk about that in this episode or the next episode. But what I didn't like so much, what I struggled with biblically, was that there was this cookie cutter methodology you know that you had to pray for healing in a certain way. So, for example, what you had to do was you had to put hand, you lay your hands on someone, and then you had to kind of visualize living water coming up through your body, you know, which is the Holy Spirit, and out of your hands into the person that you're praying for. And and you know that's great, like cool. If there's a a way to picture healing, and you found that 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 helps, and people are getting healed, cool. But to say that that's the only way you can pray for healing, which is you know what was taught at the time, that's problematic because. We just don't see that in the Bible. You're basing that purely on experience, which is never a helpful thing to do. Experience is, as we've talked about in the last three episodes, experience is helpful, but our primary source, our primary go-to is what the Bible teaches us. So with that in mind, yeah, I think you've raised two really helpful caveats. The first one is, yeah, we are not the ones that are bringing healing. We are praying for healing. We might see healing through us, but ultimately we're not bringing healing. And there is no secret method. So if you've come listening to this thinking, finally, I'm going to get the exact formula to see healing every time, you're going to be sorely disappointed. What we will give you today and what we want to talk about today are the things that we do know about divine healing from the Bible. So there's a lot we don't know. We'll maybe touch on that as we go through. But but here's what we do know. Uh, the first thing I maybe would like to talk about is that we have to take divine healing seriously, and um, which sounds like a really obvious thing to say. But you know, you might be listening to this feeling super uncomfortable with the idea of divine healing. Uh, maybe you didn't grow up with uh, healing being normal. You know, for Simon and I in, in our churches, and for me as a new believer in Simon in the church he grew up in, both of us experienced or saw healing happening a lot maybe you've had a really bad experience you know i've like i said i said in in a previous episode i've heard of people saying oh well you're not being healed because you haven't got enough faith or i've seen people kind of put their hands on someone's forehead and push them to the ground for healing and you know (laughs) there's stories of of people in the past who have kind of gone up to people and kicked them to bring them healing and things like that and you know they've left people with Kind of sour tastes in their mouths as people have misused this healing gift. Um, again, if you just Google Benny Hinn and lightsabers, you'll see some examples of it being abused. But what we do see is that we need to take healing seriously, both as the prayers and the re- recipients of prayer. And there's some clear scriptural calls to pray for healing. You know, Jesus, commands the the 12 disciples to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse lepers and drive out demons in Mm. matthew 10 verse 8 uh and we see healing as one of the spiritual gifts mentioned in first corinthians 12 9 and james 5 which we'll talk about a whole bunch um in verses 13 to 15 it talks about the elders praying and saying that the prayer of faith will save the sick person i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff here simon isn't there
1: oh yeah and just to bring up a a quote from a a guy called Jack Deere, who I remember reading his book, just uh, finding it very helpful. He, He makes clear this point that, you know, we read the scriptures and we see that we are called to, when we see suffering, to pray for it. Uh, that we can ask elders to pray for it as you said that you know, it's one of the spiritual gifts and he says well I'll just I'll just read the quote uh, he says Jesus asked the paralytic a question that has been difficult for some to understand and the question is this do you want to get well Jack Deere says I never understood the significance of that question until I started praying for the sick I'd assumed that all sick people want to get well especially those who have chronic ailments like paralysis or blindness But I have found that a number of sick people do not wish to get well at all. In fact, their whole identity is bound up in being sick, and they are literally afraid of the changes that would take place in their life if they were made whole. And I guess the point he's trying trying to make is that, you know, one component of seeing healing is just simply wanting to get healed and wanting God to do that in your life. And I think Mm -hmm. if we are to take the Bible seriously... And to live biblically as as we want to do as Christians, part of that will involve the tough process of believing and asking for healing, even when maybe we don't see it or haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, that's really good, and I think you know that again we're going to be bringing a lot of kind of caveats to all this stuff. You know, we mm-hmm. have to want to to see people healed, and on the other end, we want you know if you're if you're seeking healing, you have to want to be healed. Uh, but then we also have to remember people like Lazarus. You know, he's our kind of. <laughs> Go to for as an example for someone, I and mean, he was, he died. Lazarus died, and Jesus healed him. Now we don't know what was going on on the other side of of death. But it's it's a complicated, and we certainly can't make any presumptions. But uh, it, he, it, I it think you can for, make I a mean, presumption. I'm, I'm actually, but yeah, I'm literally, <laughs> yeah, I'm literally making a presumption as we say it. So yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know for sure, but we can presume that that Lazarus yeah. probably didn't desire. To be raised from the dead, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I I think it's probably unlikely. And so, so it doesn't. We're not saying that you you necessarily have to desire to be healed, but it certainly is an important component. That you know, if if the person praying for you doesn't believe that he that you're going to be healed, and if you're as you're being prayed for, you don't believe that you're going to be healed. I think that's probably a, a challenge. Which kind of, I guess, will. Bring us on to the issue of faith in a moment, Uh, but I I wonder if there's anything you want to say about this idea of taking divine healing seriously before we move on to kind of the next kind of component.
1: Yeah, well, just to add um, something I found really helpful, or someone I found really helpful in thinking about these things, a guy called Duncan Lee, pastor down in Christchurch, Mm. has wonderful faith for seeing this sort of thing, and he has taught me. uh, I'm not sure you know the context of it, but he taught me that when I am praying for healing for someone, to avoid the temptation to kind of front load that moment with all of the caveats and kind of explanations of why they don't get healed. So it might be that you know, someone this morning, someone asked me to pray for them for healing. And my temptation as a pastor and as someone who has seen people not be healed is to say, well, I'm going to pray for you, but it might not happen for this reason. This reason doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, etc., etc." But he says we should actually do it the other way around. He says that we should believe for a miracle, pray for a miracle, and then pass to the process when we don't see that happen. So he says, I always want to create an expectation that God heals, that he is Jehovah Rapha, that miracles occur when we pray. Um, and then if it doesn't happen, then I'll bring in kind of the theology that these things. Yeah. So... Uh, I find that very helpful to, you know, take God at his word that he heals and to start there.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's really, that's really helpful. I think for many of us, it's very easy to start making excuses before you even pray. <laughs> and yes, uh, so I think yeah. that's a really helpful that's it. thing to do. So we're saying that you have to take divine healing really seriously. You know, if you want to see healing, it's something you have to expect and to, to want to desire, both as the person being healed and the person you're, who's praying for healing. The next component, which kind of links into this is, is faith, but I want to put compassion into there as well. Faith and compassion we see in the Bible as being really important components. Now, last week, what we did was we refuted the idea that that it's only your level of faith that brings healing. But that's yes. not to say that faith is not important. Faith is still very important. I mean, Jesus healed some people because of their faith. We see that in Luke 8. Uh, others He couldn't heal because of their lack of faith in Matthew 17. But in the same passage, Jesus also tells the people that even with the smallest faith, nothing will be impossible with God, right? Mm,
1: Yeah. And I think uh, something I've just been thinking about, even from our conversation when we recorded episodes a while ago, is in Matthew 17, Jesus seems to use the words for lack of faith and no faith interchangeably. And I'll tell you why that's significant in a moment. But basically, he, the disciples come to him, they haven't seen this boy heel that they were praying for. And he says, firstly, that they were an unbelieving and perverse generation, which is, um, I hope, how you greet your church every Sunday. Um, <laughs> but secondly, he says that they had little faith. Um, or he says, because of your little faith or lack of faith that you failed to see healing. And I think this is significant because it seems that these two things are interchangeable. And so what Jesus is saying to these disciples is not so much, you didn't see this boy heals because you only have, you know, 50 faith points out of 100 um, when you should have 70, but he's saying it's because you've got no faith at all um, that you're not seeing him healed. So I think my own personal conviction, I don't know even be able to have different views on this. But my personal conviction is not that it's at all about levels of faith, but it's about the presence of faith at all. Um, and as you say in, in that passage, faith that is as small as a mustard seed, one faith point out of a hundred, can see yeah. can see healing because it's, it's about the presence.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, again, really great point. We do want to say that, of course, we want to strive for more faith in what God is going to do. You know, uh, there does seem to be more miracles, the more faith we have, but it's not dependent on that faith. You know, I, I think it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's one of those things that it happens when we have, have faith. God sometimes uses people without faith. Sometimes he uses people with more faith and it's it's hard to, uh, yeah. not without faith. I shouldn't say that, but with, with less faith, I should say. Uh, I think the point is that, yeah, we should strive for faith, but again, recognize that sometimes, yeah, God just blesses us with gifts of healing, even when we have small faith and heals those with little to no faith. Uh, I guess I A quick story. Mm. I I remember healing, well, praying for healing for someone when I was in Singapore who had a a withered hand. She didn't speak very good English at all, and uh, her hand was just crunched up together, arthritic, and and she just couldn't open it. She try, she'd try, and it was just like a clawed up arthritic hand. And uh, I remember praying with a friend of mine for her, and I'll be honest, my faith was not high. I knew that God could heal, but I wasn't sure that He would heal. I should say, and as I prayed for her. I remember just watching her hand spring open and go from being this gnarled, crooked mess to being completely normal. And and I, I was blown away. I was blown away. In fact, seeing that healing gave me then more faith to see more healing, mm. even though I prayed without perhaps that much faith, you know, and so uh, I was surprised and I know that it wasn't fake because I was the one that was praying for it. And I'd seen it, I you know. You couldn't deny the nature of her injury when we when we saw it, and so yeah, I, and there was someone with me who could have verified it, and and so on, and and I wasn't convinced, you know, that God mm. was going to heal, and then He did, and I was surprised, and so there was faith, but you know, faith is important. We have to have some yeah. faith, and the more we have faith, you know, that's that's a that's a really helpful thing. I think the other thing that's important that uh, I've noticed more and more as I've read Jesus' uh, ministry is that. Uh, compassion's a really important thing too. Mm. You know, we we see God described in Psalm 103 as you know being compassionate and slow to anger. We you know in Lamentations it says that God's compassion never fails. But here's the interesting thing in the New Testament: Jesus' compassion moved him to heal the sick and the hurting. In Matthew mm. 14, in Matthew 20, in Mark 1, in John 11, there's been there was a number of times where Jesus' compassion was what moved him to bring healing. Now. I would say that if Jesus was moved with compassion to bring healing, that's probably a good sign that it would be good for us to follow in his footsteps. Is it essential? Not necessarily. But is it a good thing? Of course. If Jesus is moved by, by compassion to heal for people, it would be a good thing for us. Uh, interestingly, yeah. there's this really famous uh, preacher from, I think, the, the early 20th century, a guy called Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, mm. uh, and someone who knew him really well, said that his healing power sprang from his love and his compassion for those in need. And he used to do the most crazy things. He's he's one of those people that I talked about who, you know, he would like punch people to bring them healing and stuff like that. And yet he saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And they say that it sprang from his love and compassion. And everyone who knew him says the same thing. It's very Mm -hmm. interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think on this whole compassion thing, there's, I couldn't point you to a verse, but there's just something kind of intuitive that when you when you when you have compassion for someone, you you really pray. I'm mm. sure we've all had those times when you know you're in a prayer meeting and you know there's a call to pray for this ministry or you know whatever, uh, and you you pray. <laughs> but then you have those moments when maybe it's a close family member or friend who's in distress or uh, something you know really needs to click in your life. When you care about it, you pray and you really ask and. You know, I read the Bible. I think God loves it when we ask with all our heart and kind of just bring him everything. And often that won't happen without compassion. And so healing, as we've talked about, it's not a method, it's not a science, but there just seems to be something in the relational aspect of prayer that yeah. compassion is kind of a necessity because that's, that, will, that is what will lead us to ask, ask God for these things for people.
0: The The alternative to that is often people are praying for healing for their own glory you know to bring yes. themselves kind of the the plaudits and so on that, that I think that's one of the challenges is that if you pray for healing without compassion it's usually because you're you're trying to bring glory to yourself rather than to God right
1: yeah and that leads to another thing that's totally worth saying here when you pray for healing for someone you are praying for them not for for yourself or your own story
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know I've I've been in those moments probably even you know done it myself where you see people pray for someone they don't get healed and then the prayers response is to be disappointed and kind of visibly disappointed in front of this person who is still sick mm-hmm. and it's like oh you've you've left them with that impression not only have they not been healed and of course that's something they'll have to deal with with god but you've kind of made them feel like a failure because they haven't lived up to your expectation mm-hmm. whereas i think if we come in with compassion then the minimum that that that, that person will receive as we pray for them is that they will leave feeling loved. Again, another thing Duncan and, you know, the guys that he works with have taught me is that what I can't control is whether when I pray for someone that they'll be healed or not. But what I can control is how I leave them feeling in terms of Mm. if I've left them feeling loved. Do they feel like I've accepted them? I've welcomed them. I've heard their story. So yeah, compassion leads us to do those things. And so it's such a key ingredient.
0: So we've talked about how we have to take divine healing seriously and how faith and compassion are are important components. And so those are the kind of meta components to healing, I guess, the broad strokes stuff to to healing. The big question I'm sure our listeners will have, Simon, is how do we pray? How do we pray for healing? You know, Mm. some people will have heard pastors say, well, you have to pray for healing. Other people will say, no, 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 you have to declare healing in the name of Jesus. I've heard both of those things. Which which one is it? I, I, this is a big debate, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. And I certainly, I mean, a few years ago, I was really seeking to learn because I, I kind of had this head knowledge that God heals, God does miracles today. But um, I wanted to reconcile that with my experience, which was that I just wasn't praying for healing that much um, and didn't have mm. really faith for it just because I hadn't seen it. And so I was looking to learn, like, and yeah, all sorts of conflicting opinions. And some, like, some people would even say when Jesus tells the um, disciples to go out in, I think it's Matthew 10, and he says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. um, They'll say, Jesus doesn't say, pray for these things. He says, do it. Therefore, if you ever pray for healing then you are disobeying Jesus's command. And you won't see healing because you're not just declaring uh, and healing people. Um, and I mm. I found that hard to, you know, there was something where that just didn't sit right. But there was kind of a guilt in me as like, I've always praying, you know, declaring in Jesus's name sounds a bit awkward. But I think we've kind of landed in the same place, which is it's not either or it's. It's both and, would you say the same?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll give some kind of biblical context to that. Yeah. Uh, Again, in my Singaporean context, not that the context was exclusively Singaporean, but just when I was in Singapore at this this environment, they would say, you have to declare healing, exactly like you're saying, Simon. And uh, then I've heard uh, in other places, people say, well, no, you have to say, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal this person? And so it'd be like you can only pray. Uh, I think if you look in the Bible, we've got Jesus promising that He will do whatever we ask in His name. So you could declare healing. I, I you know, John fourteen verses thirteen to fourteen, Matthew seven, say those things. Uh, like we said earlier, yeah, uh, Jesus gave authority to heal the sick. He didn't tell them to explicitly pray for healing. He told them to go and hmm. bring healing. So you, you know, that was the passage in Matthew ten. I You know, in Acts 3, even Peter plays a role in healing by declaring in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You know, Mm. we don't we don't pray that very often. You know, we don't declare that very often to people in wheelchairs I mean that's pretty bold isn't it to go up to someone and say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that's scary but then equally there's there's times where we see prayer for healing which I think often again we don't get this balance it's so often in life we lean to one extreme or the other but James 5 talks about praying for healing and we'll talk more about that passage in a minute John 11 Jesus prays to his heavenly father for healing Jesus prays for healing in Acts Mm -hmm. 9 Peter kneels down and prays next to Tabitha before she was brought back to life and 1st Thessalonians 5:17 calls us to pray continually so even when we're declaring we can be doing that in a prayerful state right so i think the outcome for that is that you can you can pray you can argue a case for both sides i, I personally think like you do simon it's a bit more nuanced you know by, our role is by the spirit to recognize and gauge the situation rather than create a formula you know that you have to pray these specific words it's like the lord's prayer the lord's Prayer is a wonderful wonderful prayer, but if you just recite those words by memory and don't think about what you're saying it's completely pointless but if you're if you're engaging with those words and you're you're praying with the the heart of what the, the Lord's Prayer is teaching you to say as Jesus taught us to is profoundly powerful and life changing you know so I think you have to get that that balance right i is there anything you'd add
1: no no i don't, I think the only other thing to say is work out which way you lean, and mm. do your best to lean the other way. I am. <laughs> I would be very. I'm very happy praying for healing. I mean, like asking for it because I feel like you know I can close my eyes, pray for it, declaring just as you say. It just feels a lot more. I don't know. Drawing attention to it, and it's like you say it once, and then if it, what what happens if it doesn't ha- happen after that? And so I will often have to <laughs> stir myself up to say, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what Jesus called me to do, and you know command healing in His name. Mm. Yeah, when when we find there's two two things like that, I think I always have to try and lean the other way to kind of balance myself.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. Uh, I think it's it's good to do that to push yourself out of your comfort zone in that way. But yeah, I really would I would encourage you to sense what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do as well. Yes, and the Holy Spirit yeah. doesn't always lead us to what's comfortable. You know, you just got to gauge the situation. I think there's a really interesting passage in James three uh, James five, I should say, which mm. leads us to. Probably one of the only like explicit references to what we're supposed to do with healing. You know, uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Again, I'm just just by way of reminder, we're saying that we have to take divine healing seriously. That faith and compassion are really important in some way, not the only things, but they're important as part of this discussion and praying for and declaring. Healing in the name of Jesus is a good thing in the right context if you're being led by the Spirit. This is something that's important. Elders have a real responsibility in praying for healing. And it's something that I don't think we give enough focus to, at least certainly in my experience. Now, listen listen to this passage in James 5, verses 13 to 17. It says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person. And this is one of the the few places, like I say, where there's like specific, actionable, smart <laughs> objectives, if you like, when it comes to <laughs> healing. To say, hang on, here's something you can do if you want to be healed: go and get the elders to pray for you, get them to anoint you with oil. And that sounds weird to us. It's it's so is it. It's so weird. I remember when I first got saved, there was this little bottle of anointing oil at the side of the stage at the church there. And when I noticed it, I thought, "Man, that is so weird." But before we kind of get get all uncomfortable with that and awkward about the fact that oil appears, let's remember that this is in the Bible. This is not just it's not just some something that's casually there for no reason. It's biblical, and and it's it's kind of an uncomfortable thing, isn't it, Simon?
1: Oh yeah, and one I have wrestled with. Over, I've been an elder probably just over a year now, and uh, I'll tell you, the first day (laughs) I became an elder, I think you were probably there. You were there, weren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: The right after the service, the guy who came and appointed us and gave us a charge as elders, he said, "Right, we're going to put them to work." And he gave us some oil, and he was like, "If anyone's sick, come and get them to pray for you." And uh, (laughs) I've, I've, I found it. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. It's awkward. And I have friends and family that I've I've invited. Some of them, you know, not that, you know, they must I was thinking, what are they thinking? Anyway, it led me to think, you know, what what is going on here? And I know you've written a paper on on healing too, Dave. And I, I think your conclusion on this passage, you know, what's the all all about? It's kind of open ended. Lots of people have ideas. No one's really kind of well, not that I know of, got like a really clear explanation for the all that they can back up. But one thing I I think the oil might be about is oil in the Old Testament, um, just to go back, is often like a, a sanctifying thing, by which I mean it makes things holy, uh, it makes things consecrated or set apart for God's service. And so mm-hmm. I... Th- my view of the oil is that it's not like this healing oil that you kind of pour on the wound and then it, you know, all heals up like something in Harry
0: Potter or something. I think actually well, what it's to do DP. is...
1: DP. Yeah, DP, yeah. What, <laughs> yeah,
0: what do we call intestine. it? It's called. I forget what it's called in Canada. It's not called that. But yeah, that stuff where you rub on, it just gets hot and <laughs> then you're, you're <laughs> fixed.
1: Yeah, it's... So not that. <laughs> I think it's... <laughs> Nor do I think we're meant to see it as kind of a symbolic visualization of healing. I actually think it's a symbolism of of salvation. It's a symbolism that this person has has been made holy, they've been cleansed of their sins. and actually the the James passage seems to talk more about forgiveness for sins than than healing. It says it says the prayer of faith will save, not heal, save the sick person. And then it talks about if the person has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And then it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray so that you may be healed. And so I think this is kind of a, a way for elders, as they pray for healing, to communicate to the person, your ultimate sins have been forgiven. And even an opportunity, mm. um, this is a subject we might come on to later, but an opportunity to to talk with that person about if there is any unconfessed sin. Because there are passages in the Bible which indicate that unconfessed sin can be a a cause of suffering and sickness. Mm. I don't know what you'd say about that.
0: No, that's great. I think it's really important to mention that. First of all, I thoroughly enjoy how awkward you sounded talking about that moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where you had to kind of put oil on people. I love that. I I, yeah. I enjoy hearing Simon squirm in those situations, but well done for doing that. I know that you did it with grace and, and yeah, and you've kind of since gone and looked into it, which is great. I think what you've shared really is very, very helpful I mean, regarding oil in terms of what oil is practically made up of. There's some suggestions that uh, yeah. in Leviticus about some of the stuff that it could be made from, but you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to even go there because the jury is out. There's only, like you said, there's so much unknown with so much of this. It's really about where your heart's at <laughs> as well. Yeah. And for us, we're yeah trying to learn where, where is your heart? If you're, if you're like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to see healing unless we have, you know, three sprigs of sage or something like that in the, in the oil. Well, then I think you're going to miss miss the point if if it comes down to all the stuff we've talked about before. Um, and yeah, unconfessed sin is a big deal. We've seen, I forget the reference now, but we've seen that the, the disciples say, well, is this person... Sinful is that why they're not being healed? And what Jesus says, well, no, it's so that God will be glorified. So it's not always yeah. it's not always sin, but yes, the Old Testament is rife, it's filled with with afflictions that come as the result of sin as well. so there's there is a component of faith and unconfessed sin and all of that stuff it's it's a it's a complicated one, but yeah, the interesting thing is the elders bit as well, you know, I think mm. one of the challenges in the twenty first century contemporary church, at least as I've experienced it. Is that elders often aren't as involved as they could be, or perhaps even should be in this? You know, I love that you again shared the story of you praying for healing for people as elders. But are we going to the hospital beds and praying for healing with the with the sick? Are we going to their houses when they're sick, or are we trying to avoid it? You know, in COVID, this is a challenge. You know, if you're an elder and you're listening to this, are you more afraid of getting sick or praying for those who are sick? And that's a that's a question. I'm not going to tell you what the right answer is to that, but uh, it's a, it's definitely one to wrestle with, and so that's something that yeah I think we need to figure out. And and equally, I would encourage you if you're sick or if you've got uh, got something that you need healing for, I would encourage you to find your elder and say, hey, James five says that I need to be prayed for for my elder. Will you will you come and pray for me and and initiate it? Don't expect the the elders to initiate it for you because sometimes it's hard for them to to even know what's going on in your life, especially if you're part of a big church. So anyway. Elders have a responsibility. There's two more things I want to talk about before we we end here, Simon. Uh, the first one is that we should eagerly desire the, the gifts of healing. So that's that's different to yeah. taking healing seriously, which we talked about at the beginning. I'm saying, actually, we need to eagerly desire it. And there's also a demonic component that I want to talk about. So let's just talk about those two things in the time that we have left. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, I think it says, is that all the believers should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And one of those spiritual gifts is healing. Now, here's something that I think is really fascinating about that. You know, we we talk about having the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues. And and maybe you're listening to this and you know you're not sure about spiritual gifts. And that's that's okay. But we would talk about having, yeah, the gift of prophecy, singular, the gift of tongues, singular. And yet in the Bible, it when it talks about healing, it's the gifts, plural of healing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really fascinating thing. And it's something that we often miss. Here's what I want to propose, Simon. I don't know what you would think about this, but I found it really interesting and instructive that it's gifts, plural. I wonder if you don't have the gift of healing, as in a permanent gift of healing, but instead you're experiencing the outpouring of God's grace in various gifts over time. So, for example, I might experience lots of gifts of healing, you know, because it's yeah. God that brings the healing. Remember? That's what we, we said at the beginning. So, last Sunday, perhaps I experienced the gift of healing. Uh, like a gift of healing where God brought healing through me. And I might experience it next week and the week after and the week after and the week after for the rest of my life. I might experience it all the time. But then I might experience healing you know, a year ago, four years ago, but not again for another five years, because God maybe chooses not to give me that grace gift of healing. And I, I wonder, and again, I'm thinking out loud here, this is not me arriving at a dogmatic, like singular statement, but I just wonder if that's deliberate on God's part to make sure that we realize that this gift has nothing to do with us. And and so what we pray for is for God to bring down a gift of healing to to move through us into the, the person who needs that healing or is desiring that healing. And instead, the encouragement that comes with that, I guess, is that anyone can pray for healing. You know What we tend to do is we look for the people who have quote unquote healing gifts. I believe that anyone could bring healing if they have some of the stuff that we've talked about, if they recognize that they're praying in the name of Jesus or maybe even declaring healing if that they have faith and compassion and that they take divine healing seriously uh, and they're eagerly desiring to see it, then yeah, I, I wonder if that's, I don't know if I've formed my thoughts quite hmm. well enough there, but do, I, do you get what I'm saying there, Simon? What do you
1: think? Yeah I, see, yeah, I see what you're saying. And I think kind of in support of that view, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is all about what happens when people gather. Mm -hmm. And so to expect to see a kind of instant, a gift of healing just given for that moment, I think, you know, is totally compatible um, with that reading of the passage. And yeah, the Bible certainly doesn't seem to use language. It uses language of offices, by which we mean the office of prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, I don't think it uses ever like healer um, as an office in the church. So, yeah, I think you're probably right in that it's it's certainly a gift that everyone can pray for. We should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, as you say, and like might, you know, might not be something that is just only in certain individuals. However, I think I would say, and this is coming from more from experience than from Scripture, but I don't think it's incompatible with what the Bible says. I would say that there are some people I know in my life who just seem to, for whatever reason, they seem to have a, a gift of healing that kind of yeah. resides with them. Or we could say, to use other language, like God often gives them gifts of healing. It seems to be continual. Yeah. And whether that's to do with, as we talked about, their faith, compassion, I don't know. But it seems, it seems like in my experience, God gives these gifts of people to the church And there are some of us who are just uniquely gifted with that. And if that is, if we sense that's our call, we should be using and praying for those gifts all the more.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a challenge here. I'm thinking out loud more than anything. Um, I haven't arrived at a conclusion. I'm just kind of pointing out something that's a bit, uh, Hmm. I think it's something that we miss if we're not careful in what we read. What I would say is, yeah, that those people who do certainly see healing more than others would would experience, maybe I'd say it like this, they experience in greater measure, the gifts of healing. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'd, I'd word it that way, but I'm not sure. I think it's good just to point to it to help maybe our listeners to to think about it. If you're listening at home, it's just something to think about. Notice, have you never yeah. noticed that it says gifts, plural, and you know it's reflected that way in the Greek as well. It's just very it's just a very interesting thing when you compare it to the singular gifts elsewhere. Mm. But the point is we should eagerly desire those gifts. So that's that's important. Um and then the final thing that is really worth mentioning that again, I don't think we put enough stock into is that there is a demonic component to healing or to the lack thereof or the need for healing. You know, we see uh, in the New Testament that demonic activity was occasionally, emphasis on occasionally, responsible for various afflictions. So we see some people struck deaf and dumb and others experience fits of violence and seizures. And in Acts 5, Peter encounters people who were tormented by unclean spirits. You know, this is Let's be frank, pretty uncomfortable and pretty challenging. But they're in the certainly in the days of Jesus, and then we have no reason to, to believe that those days have finished, that some people perhaps afflicted by demonic or unclean spirits. Well, what does what does that look like? What does that mean for us? It's something that we need to keep in our heads because this is a a broad subject. We could talk about, you know, this idea of deliverance, and, and that's a whole big topic that we could get to in another episode perhaps one day but the important thing is to recognize that sometimes the challenge is not just for physical divine healing but for spiritual healing and I, what I would say is that if you're a believer i think the chances of you being afflicted by an unclean spirit are very low i would say in in my opinion but again that's probably opening a can of worms that i don't want to get into i think primarily non believers are the people that will experience some of those spirits? Because if you've got the spirit of, uh, like, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you're gonna. You, there's not much space for demonic spirits. That's all I'm going to say. But again, opening a can of worms. Wonder what you think, Simon?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can keep the the can shut. Yeah, I I think it has to be a component that we are aware of. Um, I think I I don't have much experience of kind of praying for healing and seeing these things, but from what I'm told by people more experienced and wise than me is that often they will make themselves clear and they are something we should take seriously but not be afraid of because as we say mm. we know the one who is greater than he who is in the world because we have the holy spirit in us who is greater than the enemy the evil one satan whatever you want to call him who's in the world and so we have power over those spirits and so when we are praying for someone and maybe we just you know, rightly, just discern maybe just in our own hearts like, God, is there anything else going on here um and just ask him to disclose it? and there is something we in the same way that we can pray for sickness and see that go, we can pray for deliverance um and see that go too. but I, I, I guess again, this is a place where it's really helpful to involve pastors, elders, those who are you know slightly further ahead than you in the faith um as we pray
0: for these things, yeah, thanks, Simon. Uh, that's good. I, I think. This is something we could talk about in a lot more depth. You know, people have written a lot of books about these subjects and it gets very broad and very deep. And that's not the scope of what we're we're trying to do. Like I said, you know, at the beginning, you're probably hoping for a bit more of a formulaic approach to healing. And I just don't think the Bible presents us that. You know, Jesus heals in so many varied and different ways. And I think he does it deliberately. You know, so to make sure that our our focus is on trusting in god not in our own strength to bring healing because it's not about us it's it's about god so we we've talked about so far how Ultimately, yeah, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that, that brings any miracles. It's God working through us that, that divine healing comes. There's no, there is no secret to divine healing, but we have to take it seriously. We have to recognize the importance of faith and compassion in that mix. We, we, have to, we can pray for or declare in the name of Jesus, wherever you, you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to. Like, there's no set rule that way. Elders have a responsibility. That's clear and uh, to to come and pray for them and anoint with oil. And we should eagerly desire the gifts of healing. And finally, we've got to recognize that somewhere in this mix, there is a demonic component that we need to be aware of. So there, those are the things that we know based on the Bible. There's a whole bunch of conclusions you could come to, but I think you'd be coming to personal experiential conclusions as opposed to biblical ones. Uh, with all that in mind, Simon, I think we're going to end it there. And next week, we'll finish this four-week series asking... The final question on top of this debate debate or discussion I think is a better word on the top (laughs) of this discussion yeah Yeah. what happens when healing doesn't come that's a huge question we're going to try and approach that next week so I hope you found this helpful if you have any questions as always feel free to send us an email at simplefaithpodcast at gmail.com or contact us personally or via social media we would love to connect with you in the meantime have a fantastic week and we will speak to you very soon bye